Hello and welcome to Serious Vintage. I'm Jeff Mose. And I'm Nat Mose. Today we'll be talking about Eternal Weekend and the art of cooking. Yeah, so uh, welcome to episode 49 of Serious Vintage, and uh, we have uh, with us once again uh, Aaron Campbell, who's uh, here to tell us all about Eternal Weekend and what it meant to play online rather than in paper. Thank you so much for having me. I adore you guys, and and I told everybody I was going to be here, and they were so excited to listen. So hopefully this turns out well. Great. Welcome back. What a surprise. I'm surprised everyone was pleased. Yeah. And thank you for being patient. I apologize for the scheduling error the other day. Oh, it's okay. We don't do anything anymore. (laughs) I still try to be professional. And so I was recording a, I was recording a guest spot for a YouTube channel and it ended up running long and I'd spent, you know, three or four hours in front of, you know, some blazing lights and green screen. And I was just exhausted by the end of it. So again, thank you for being understanding. You should dispel any ideas about being professional on here. So get in character. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, Eternal Weekend this year, uh, because of the uh, coronavirus pandemic and uh, Wizards pretty much shutting down all in-person magic events, was held online. Uh, and I think well, one of the interesting things is that they held all three weekends. Normally they have uh, Asia Vintage Champs, Europe Vintage Champs, and uh, U.S. Vintage Champs. They held all three weekends on the same weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Aaron, you played in, well, actually, they, they did that for Legacy too. Aaron, you played in uh, one Legacy event and one Vintage event? Yeah, I played, uh, Sunday was the best day for me in both cases. So I played in the Legacy event on Sunday, and then I played in the Vintage event on Sunday. And it's really cool that they did that, because a lot of times when there's a tournament of some kind, um, people who are not in North America get shafted. And so right. it was really cool that, you know, the Asia Vintage folks could play, because there is a, a sizable and brilliant audience over there and you know same with the eu folks and so it was really nice that this wasn't just a north america thing because they could have easily you know done that and and made a lot of people feel bad so um it was really cool you had a lot of opportunities to play shout out to the hardcore players that did all three three. right Um, I don't know how you did that, but yeah, so I played in, I did the legacy one first. Uh, I played Hogak for that one, which was a lot of fun. I was playing Jund Hogak, which was uh, a controversial choice. I think most people feel like bug Hogak is the optimal version and the bug version is certainly explosive, but I felt like if they deal with your first wave, you're just kind of dead in the water. Mm. And I really liked how the Jund version was able to go long. If you had to, you could really transition into a mid game or even a late game. You could also recover from a lot more things. You could kind of recharge. And so that made that version appealing to me. I did pretty well in some leagues leading up to it. And I was not able to stay for the whole thing. So I dropped it like three and three. Mm. But I had a good time. It was really well run, which was nice because Magic yeah. Online has certainly had issues with uh, <laughs> you know, massive tournaments and bugs and things like that. And so I didn't see any complaints along those lines. And so um, the Legacy one had huge turnout. I think they had to combine over 1,500 people. Yeah, the event on Sunday yeah. capped at over like six hundred and seventy. Yeah, I saw um, that. and yeah, and so for for a legacy event online or just a legacy event anywhere to cap and for fifteen hundred people to play legacy over a weekend is huge. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I I I didn't end up following uh, legacy very much. What uh, what's the? Um, can you give us a breakdown of what your Hogak deck? Does? Yeah, so the the Hogak deck is is <laughs> I was going to say it's quite fair, but by other people's standards, it'd be broken as hell. But it's um, a quote so unquote fair for legacy. <laughs> Um, so you ideally want to start off with a Stitcher supplier um, and a like a putrid imp or, or something like that to really get your graveyard going. And you really want to get a turn to Hogak if at all possible. And okay. in a lot of cases, that's enough for you. And if you find that that's not enough, you also have the backup plan of Altar of Dementia. So it plays a lot, okay. of, like, a lot like the modern version um, yeah. where you can kind of get that loop going. You have Bridge from Below to really... Uh, you know, fuel the engine. And then post-board, you're very resilient. You run Force of Vigor, Abrupt Decay. So you don't fold to things as hard as Dredge does. And it's, okay. it's just a really explosive deck. There's a lot of neat lines to it. There's so many ways that you can build it. And I just took to it like a duck to water. And I was like, <laughs> this is exactly where I want to be right now. <laughs> so this is sort of a uh, modified version of Dredge that has, basically it's using Hogak and 
well, making a big it's thing. It's tricky because it's not so reliant on the graveyard. Right, you are right. paying for a lot of your spells. I mean, you definitely want things in the graveyard, but okay. you're not completely hosed by a surgical or, you know, you can beat a Nile spell bomb or, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's just a lot more resilient. And um, I feel personally like Legacy Dredge has just so many more obstacles right now. And, mm. you know, God bless the two or three pilots who consistently go five and zero with it, but I <laughs> could not cash with it to save my life. And so I wanted something that was just a little bit more resilient while still being about right. the graveyard and, and that fit it really well. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad Hogak is still around my sweet putrid son who can do no wrong. <laughs> it's interesting because I took really well to legacy Hogak and yet I really struggled with vintage Hogak. I, I tried really hard to like learn the Hogak line deck and mm. it just didn't, I just couldn't get it going. And I was just like, it was very confusing where it's like, so you don't want me to keep lands, but you want me to keep, but I am paying what I'm not paying. And like, mm. I couldn't, I, it's a very hard to pilot deck I found. So that's uh, transitioning to vintage here. Like you tried Hogak and ended up on dredge. Yeah. So I, I mean, we really didn't have a lot of time to practice. Let's be gotcha. honest. I think we had two weeks from when the announcement came out. To- yeah. The announcements weren't very far out, which I yes. know is a constant complaint with eternal weekend, particularly <laughs> yeah. in North America, but kind of how it worked anyway. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, w- the player base for Legacy and Vintage tends to skew a lot older. So right. that can be a problem when you have families and kids and spouses to think sure. about. So I, I did make an effort to try different decks before each event. I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into Dredge. But with Vintage, I just didn't really... I liked a lot of decks. Like I, I played Golos for a while and I really enjoyed that. And I played mm. around with Breach for a while and I enjoyed that. But ultimately, I just didn't feel like I was strong enough in those decks to like take it into a 10 round event. And sure. so I was like, I feel good about dredge. It flows in my hands. I'm not completely, I don't have like a terrible win rate with it. I had talked to some other dredge pilots that were playing it. And apparently dredge actually did quite well that weekend. Yeah. Um, uh, and, dredge won the second event. I think so. I think it won the Saturday event. Yeah. And so, and that feels nice because going into it, we were like the redheaded stepchild where it was like, yeah. if you want to play bizarre, just, just play Hogak. That's just, yeah. just do it. And so, you know, I didn't do too bad with it. Again, it was a case where I couldn't really stay that long, but I did get in about six or seven rounds. And then I was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm tuckered out. I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, dredge is usually one of those decks that if you catch it on the right day, when people are unprepared, or if you just have the good matchups or the good hands, like you'll get there. Like, and that's really what happened is that yeah. the, the hate that people, people were so worried about Hogak fine and mm. you can board in the same things. I mean, you can just throw in yeah. some cages and whatever, but uh, you know, there are some tools that you would, that are good against Hogak that are not not great against dredge and i think that's what happened everybody was so scared of hogak vine nobody really thought dredge was going to be a thing and the tools they were bringing just didn't match they're not quite not quite what they need yeah so it it, uh, took first at the saturday event and it also had two or three other top 16s yeah and yeah there's been some good success with it since then as well yeah it's i mean like i said it's it's one of those decks that will generally win if it gets, <laughs> if it's given the chance yeah um so it's it's really interesting you know i think that's one thing that i took away from all of this is that there are a lot of really cool decks out there right and i've been enjoying all of them and so i'm 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 enjoying playing different decks and seeing different perspectives and there's a lot of cool things you can do if you want to yeah and it seems like there's a lot of decks um a lot of different types of decks like if you are particular to one form of magic or another like there's probably something for you right now in vintage uh, oh yeah you know, and, and there's, yeah there's, there's i mean you have of... i mean look at what they're doing with hogak right now where it's like right. you're seeing these kravik and horror yeah. for king you know they're having a field day and, and they're getting a little too cute in my opinion but i appreciate you know the effort and so you know if you want to play a bizarre deck you know you have hogak vine you have hollow vine which are two different decks yeah and you have right. bizarre and then you know if you want to play breach I, I find it fascinating that no one's really stumbled upon like the perfect breach list yet um, you have jeskai breach and grixis breach and four color breach and yeah. i think that's great and even po it's like you know some people boil it down to like just a really streamlined list and you have some people getting cute with that too and you know you right. can do shops you can do two card monty shops which i played for a little while and yeah there's a lot of ingenuity happening right now um a lot of diversity i think vintage is diverse right now mm-hmm. i just don't think it's necessarily very fun <laughs> that's fair um just uh to uh cover our bases here bug midrange won the first uh friday event <laughs> and uh I, I know that's that's probably an issue for you because um 
I, I'm sure they have all the tools <laughs> against you, right? And it, then it, it runs a little deeper than that, though. Like, uh, if I could just get on a soapbox, I I play. Ma- I'm one of those people who plays magic to feel something, and yeah. I'm one of those people who who wants to do broken things, and that's one of the things that really attracted me to vintage. I'll never forget my first. And ever then game here's of- these people playing Darmagoyf, and you're like, <laughs> come on! I'll never forget my first ever game of vintage. I lost on turn one of my upkeep to Leyline of Anticipation Storm, and 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 that's amazing. Like that's what we come to vintage for. And so to see wizards give out god accounts and to say that people, <laughs> you can do. Any- Anything you want to do, like you can play Oath of Druids, you can right. play Necropotence, you can play Tinker, you can play Bazaar, you can play Workshop. What's it going to be? And to see all these people go, I'd like to register Tarmogoyf, please. And it's just like, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't, I can't relate. And I'm not here to play fair. And so like, if that's what you're trying to do, go take a legacy because yeah. you can do that there. Like, why well, that, are you here? I don't get it. That, that's actually another thing I kind of wanted to touch on was the, uh, the God accounts that Wizards provided for these events. They provided them for both Legacy and Vintage, which is mm-hmm. great. And even and let you play with them a few yeah. days past that and before that. So you could do leagues. You could right. do challenges. And we've, you know, when you look at the league numbers, people are sticking around. And so yeah. the event as a whole was a really, really huge win. This is right. then this is also something that Wizards promoted. They not only took the reins from Card Titan, they they actively threw their weight behind this. And we right. had, you know, decent websites and a little bit of coverage. You know, you had the video stuff afterwards. And I think Efro did an article beforehand and so mm-hmm. you know it, they really did do a good job with this i have to say and like i said the magic online client ran well we didn't hear any issues about <laughs> technical problems right. i think the only thing i saw was you know when the event capped unfortunately there were a couple of people who had to turn in their tokens or get out. a refund but <laughs> yeah. overall it was pretty it was pretty smooth yeah and i you know it's a big uh I think there are a lot of people within Wizards who still feel that necessity to have legacy and even more so vintage around where it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, vintage being sort of the showcase of all the cards in Magic more so as a sanctioned format rather than like Commander where you're a little bit more freeform. Like there's there's something to having a, you know, a big few hundred people event that uses all the cards, all the moxes, all the, you know, Black Lotus and mm-hmm. uh, bazaars and workshops and, and everything. Yeah, and I think we've seen, I think we've seen Wizards move away from this idea that Standard's the only way to play. You right. know, for a while there, it was like Standard was everything. And if mm-hmm. you weren't playing Standard, they just didn't care about you. And in the last few years, we've seen Modern Horizons, an entire set devoted to Modern and, and Eternal formats. And, you know, you can say how busted that set was, but you know, they, they, they're not denying these formats anymore, you know, and you're seeing this very obvious push towards commander and, you know, they're not doing that awkward dance anymore. And so it's good that we finally done away with that illusion where you can admit that all of these, these formats exist and they're wonderful and you want them to survive. And that just feels really, really good. Right. And I, I, you know, Wizards is pretty good about acknowledging that there are multiple ways to play and, Mm -hmm. you know, saying, you know, with the commander rules committee and all like rule zero, whatever you want. And, you know, you you can get into that format and play. Well, I think the problem is also too that the, the, the data is not always obvious to them. Like right. I remember before the command zones started being a thing and before the command fest, I was one of those people that would go to GPs and I would just, you know, scrounge around for like any empty table and try to play commander and mm-hmm. we would keep getting displaced. And yeah. um, I remember- this I've done that playing like, vintage. <laughs> yeah. And this yeah, had happened definitely. many times. And I remember going to the straw that broke the camel's back for me was- we were at GP Madison and we'd been moved like three times. And right. I went up to one of the CFB guys and I was like, look, I'm not trying to like make a scene here, but you know, you said when you took over the events for everything that everybody was welcome. It didn't matter who you were, what format you played. And I got to be yeah. honest, we're not feeling very welcome here. Right. And he said something to the effect of like, you know, you, you didn't, we, he, it, it, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he alluded to like, we hadn't spent any money. And I was like, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was like, I bought a coasters. I bought sodas. I bought singles. I was like, don't tell me I didn't spend money to be here. Right. And he was like, no, no, no. He's like, I'm not saying that. He's like, but we don't keep track of that. Like we don't keep yeah. track of that. You went to vendors. We don't keep track of the fact that you bought a t-shirt. He's like, when we look at how successful a GP is, we are looking at like maybe two metrics. And so if you don't fall into those neat little boxes, right. we know you're here, but like, it's not the right kind of data. And so what needed to happen is when they established the command zone in Vegas, which was an overwhelming success, they couldn't deny that. And that was the data they needed where it's like, hello, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. And so, you know, sometimes they just need like the right kind of data um, before they acknowledge that something's a thing. And so yeah. when you see something like 1500 people playing legacy, you can't deny that you just can't. And, and I think that's, those are the little shots in the arm that wizards need sometimes. Yeah. Well, and I know that wizards has said before that, you know, they can track all of the people who register for an event, but they know that there are other people out there who only play at the kitchen table, mm-hmm. whether it's commander or here are the 150 cards that I own in a pile or whatever. Like there's a lot of people who still have a dedication to the game that don't show up on their radar at all. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, uh, going back to uh, Eternal Weekend, I think it was great that they gave out the or not gave out, they provided the... Um, uh, the you the, I didn't get my copy. What? Yeah, right. They, they got accounts for, for people to, you know, experience the format, mm-hmm. do different things, uh, you know, even if you only played in the one event and only went 0 and 2 and dropped or whatever, like you still got to actually play around and see that Vintage or Legacy or whatever isn't quite as scary as you may have thought, because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are and a lot of And it definitely changed the dynamic a little bit. You know, one right. of the things that always comes up um, in at Eternal Weekend is budget concerns and card sure. availability concerns. And, you know, a lot of times you can go to EW and know what somebody's playing because you know them and you know that, like, they can't just afford to switch decks. But, right. um, you know, when you have a God account, you know, card availability is not an issue. And, yep. you know, you're not bound to just whatever cards you have or whatever you can get your hands on. And so I was really excited to see, like, what the meta game was going to look like and what people mm-hmm. were going to bring and then i was disappointed when it was all <laughs> <laughs> well i mean that's it's still a solid plan I mean, death and the, taxes the solid one plan of the legacy of, events yeah like the, the, that's the, terrifying the stop everything idea still works in a lot of ways so <laughs> But I do think we're seeing it in other formats as well, you sure. know, not to get like too conspiracy theory-ish here, but like you really are seeing this push towards like fair magic. You know, when you look at everything that's been banned in standard, well, they're now playing it in modern. Like you can play Wilderness Reclamation and Omnath and Uro, and that's what people want to do right now. Like people want to grow spiral. They don't necessarily want to storm. And when you look at Legacy right. now, you have Omnitel, which was a, a lovely combo deck. And now it's a mid-range deck because people are convinced that they need Uro and Coatl to, to play that and reanimator's gone for the most part storm's gone for the most part and this is what people want to be doing right now they want to be hitting their land drops they want to be gaining life and like yeah. i do feel like we are seeing this push towards like fair magic and it does bum me out a little bit because uh, i want to feel players. something yeah, right. <laughs> but you know i do want to feel something and I, I i i just have a very hard time putting myself in those people's shoes where it's like what do you feel like what do you I don't get it. Like, <laughs> well, there, there, there is a, and I'm speculating here a little bit, but there is a feeling of control that you can have where you're like, I am master of my domain. Like I am gaining life. I am playing lands. I am doing all this stuff and you won't be able to touch me, you know, uh-huh. like, and I, I feel like that's, uh, I have definitely been in games where that's a super comfortable feeling sure <laughs> but at the same time i also enjoy playing belcher where it's like i really just want to kill <laughs> Did you, you see that belcher one. was good for like two weeks <laughs> oh yeah we we talked about that with joe on our uh, joe dyer on our last podcast he's so where, great where yeah i know and we, we talked about the introduction of the mdfc lands and mm-hmm. how the, how those affect those kinds of decks and yeah everyone was super excited about them for a little while and then as it turns <laughs> out yeah it's still a glass cannon but what can you but do? but yeah. still though it's like you know again you know belcher was my first legacy deck you know i'll never forget uh i was friends with feline longmore she came to town uh, for an open a milwaukee open uh the main event was you know standard i didn't do very well in it <laughs> and she'd been trying to get me to play legacy for years and i was like feline i don't have a deck i don't know the format she reaches a new her bag and she puts a deck in my hand and she goes you're gonna go in the corner and you're gonna goldfish this and it's called belcher and you got 30 minutes go and so i go in the corner and i'm just like so i'm laying this deck out on the table and i'm trying to like put the pieces together and i'm like well this does this i think okay and yeah you don't even need to know what your opponents are doing and and i ended up going two and two in my first ever like four oh side you know four four round side event and that was my first slice of legacy so i've been introduced to these formats with broken decks and so yeah. that's why they mean so much to me because i feel so much when i play them and i just can't imagine mm. paying for a tarmogoyf like <laughs> <laughs> well I've, I've registered a few tarmogoyfs they're okay <laughs> I, I did two in modern, sometimes they're like, like five <laughs> sickness and you feel untouchable <laughs> i suppose i mostly i just felt when i played jen that i kept drawing the wrong half of my decks so maybe i just <laughs> I've, I've also played those tournaments yeah. <laughs> I have never bought Tarmogoyves and I've never regretted it. Wow. 
we think we've all had a Jund phase. It's like, you know, when you, when you see girls in college that are like, oh, I did that in college. We've all had a Jund in college. It's fine. It's, we've all had a Jund phase. I suppose for me it was banned, but that's, yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, this, this actually reminds me, I was thinking when you were talking, I don't remember whether this was on the show or not, but uh, when you were talking about losing on your upkeep, uh, I was really hoping it was going to be to Flash because I remember playing Belcher when Flash was legal. Yeah. Because I played Belcher exclusively for like two or three years. And <laughs> and Belcher was a terrible, terrible matchup for Flash. And I remember having like eight red blasts in the main deck to try and beat Flash and just like yeah. still getting crushed. <laughs> Man, that felt bad. Anyway, um, where were we? <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, well, you talked a little bit about um, having feelings about vintage right now. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, you were excited enough to play in vintage champs, or mm -hmm. at least one of them. Um, what would I mean? What's your What's your take on the format right now? Other than that, it's there's something for I everyone. I really very just kind of echo the thoughts of the the vintage roundtable. I don't know if you had a chance to read that on MTG Goldfish, but I thought it was brilliant. I thought they yeah, had I a lot of really good. great right. voices there. And I agree with a lot of what they said. You know, vintage is very diverse right now, but it's not very fun. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think there's a lot of lines and a lot of strategies that really make people feel like they're not playing, like more so than usual. And so, you know, I don't, I don't really know what the answer is necessarily, but, yeah. you know, I'm happy to see all the brewing that I'm seeing. We talked about some of the crazy brews earlier. I I am so lucky to be a part of the Japanese vintage discord and mm -hmm. they have a little tournament every Saturday morning. And so when I wake up on Saturday morning, it's like Christmas morning because they have a deckless channel that and it's awesome. just, it's just the craziest brews you've ever seen. Yeah. There's one young man who's known for playing a 62 card dredge special. And it's just the most, he always has two bizarres in his hand. We don't know how he does it. And if you look at this list, you would just think it's a laughing stock. And yet he consistently does well with it and destroys like the best streamers. And so um, sure. I love waking up to everything they're doing. Are the 61st and 62nd cards also bizarres or what's, no. what, why is that? <laughs> what, why, why is it 62 it's, cards? It's street Rave. It's Street Rave. It's Noxious Revival. Um, okay. it, it's just wild. And you look at this and you're just like, oh, honey. And then it does well. And you're like, what are we? Are we the bad guys? Like, <laughs> but just the, there's just something about Japanese brewing and ingenuity that I find so exciting. And you know, when I look at these deck lists, they're just doing things that nobody else does. And like I said, to go back to feeling something, you know, when you yeah. look at a 62 card deck, it feels silly, but at least he's trying. You know, at least he's doing what he wants to do to feel something. He's yeah. not just saying I'm going to play a, a bird of paradise. He's like, oh no, we're here to like. <laughs> We're here to get crazy. And I respect that. And right. so, you know, when you see a list that may not necessarily be competitive, I have to respect that because you're doing something nobody else is doing. Yeah. And well, and really, when you're looking at something like Dredge, that all it needs to do is move cards into its graveyard, the extra two cards matter less and less than anything. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. And th there's just all sorts of lists. You know, they were there was one person who was running with like a Phoenix list. He was trying to make the uh, um, uh, the Flame Wake, uh, the, uh, the oh, Arclight Phoenix. He was trying to yeah. do a vintage version of that. Um, you're seeing them play around with different configurations of shops. And I love, I don't know what they're saying, but I just lurk in the deck list channel yeah. and i just get up every morning and i'm just like these lists are so cool <laughs> yeah well i remember uh sam crollo and i did some commentary on uh, commentary after the fact on uh some tokyo mtg tournaments and, okay um, that was the first time I'd actually ever seen a Rage Extractor shops list. <laughs> and it did really well. For, yes. And it was like, awesome. Like, yeah, like they are here to feel something and yeah, I'm completely right. here for it. Yeah, well, that's, that's good. Um, so we, we talked about the, um, let's see, Bug mid-range won Friday's event and then uh, Dredge won Saturday's event. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday's event, which is oh. the one you played in, um, yeah. was won by Andreas Peterson. Iko Baronin. Iko Baronin on Doomsday. And then that title slipped to David Lance, who's a Team Serious member on mm -hmm. Ravager Shops, uh, Car Shops. Yeah. We talked a little bit about this before, where it was like, it was disappointing to see what happened with Andreas, where it was, where he was very evidently caught. It wasn't really bribing, but it was exchanging, uh, right. ex he... exchanging, exchanging, um, uh, favors so, yeah favor for mm -hmm. um for a win yeah uh, in the top eight or to get yeah, in the top eight it was disappointing because those of us who play vintage and those of us who play old school we we want to feel like we're 
one of the draws to playing the format is that it, it caters to a very unique player base and you get right. an experience that you don't get elsewhere. And that's not to say that we're, you know, we're better than anybody, but you can feel the difference when you play at an in-person eternal weekend versus when you play at an open, you're not dealing with some uppity grinder. Who's like, Hey man, I gotta get playing soccer points. I gotta get it by. Right. Man, ah! You're not dealing with that. You're dealing with a grown adult and you're there to have fun and you're there because you love a format. And it does feel like a bit of a betrayal, kind of like when the old school thing happened with Athena, where we'd yeah. like to believe we're better than that. You know, I've had judge calls at Eternal Weekend that I would never have anywhere else just because my opponent's an adult and we understand that things happen and right. you can have a conversation. Like I am more social at an Eternal Weekend than I am <laughs> anywhere else because it's just different, you know? And so right. we'd like to think we're better than that. And then when we see examples where we're not, it's crushing because it's just like, that's not what this is about. This should be about the format and how much we love the format. And no one plays vintage for the prizes. Like, let's be honest. I mean, the artwork is cool and you can maybe sell it or maybe you'll get some store credit, but none of us are trying to like get on the pro tour. None of us are trying to like, we, we, this is what we have. You know, we have our mocks and we have our mortgages and we're grownups and not to say we try to lose, you know, we want to win, but Again, we just don't think that that's us. You know, we right. look at the modern players or we look at the standard players and we, it just doesn't feel like it's our world. And so when I saw that happen, it was a bit of a bummer because it was like, we played this format to get away from that. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'll, I'll link to, um, there's some write-ups about this on Star City mm-hmm. and other places. I'll link to some of those who people can follow along. But, uh, you know, the, the disappointing thing to me was that some of the reactions I saw to this when it was first publicized first came up on Twitter and on Reddit was that, oh, this happens all the time. Like, I don't see what the big deal is. And it was like, uh-huh. oh, man, really? Does this actually happen all the time? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm so used to playing tournaments with 16 players in mm-hmm. paper at a store. Obviously, that doesn't happen now, but I'm that's that's what I'm used to. Or playing at a, a TSI where we have, you know, 20 or 30 people at Jeff's house. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, that just doesn't happen. Like, I'm, yeah. this, I'm so... It was it was just mind boggling that this was like commonplace to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I and disappointing. I, yeah. Like I said, yeah, definitely. But uh, you know, it. I guess it happens, and I'm I'm happy for for David Lance to get bumped up there. And, yeah, and I mean, as a whole, the weekend was a huge success. You know, if that's yeah. the only thing that went wrong, you know, right, I'll take right. it. You know, both these formats got a lot of good press. Right. People had a really good time. It brought people to the formats and kept them here right. um, in a way that might not have happened before. We were able to preserve Eternal Weekend in some form. As a whole, it was a huge win. Huge win. Yeah, I totally agree. I think everything ended very positively, and you mm-hmm. know, all the coverage. I heard before and after were just like, this is actually going really well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was uh, exciting to watch or to follow along afterward or, you know, while things were happening and people were throwing up their reports on Twitter and elsewhere and it's like being able to follow along from afar. It actually felt like Eternal Weekend. It did. I mean, as much as it could, you know, but because we said Eternal Weekend really is an experience. You know, when you think about, you know, when I think about it again, I'm not going to like win. I go for the meatball place down the street and I go for, you know, it's just, it's a package deal you know and so it will it wasn't exactly that but it was pretty close and i'll take right. it yeah it was disappointing too that you know we couldn't all get together in pittsburgh or philadelphia or wherever mm-hmm. and hang out and see friends but you know the magic was all there as far yeah, as, uh, as playing and stuff and, and and vintage had uh again multiple hundreds of people which is mm-hmm. a big turnout for uh a vintage champs you know especially when you consider over the entire weekend um, yeah i mean you know we didn't hit the 1500 or so that legacy did but still right. very very healthy turnouts yeah. um certainly more than we normally see for vintage events and so yeah i mean it, it was a really really good time a lot of a lot of faces i didn't expect to see there it was just mm-hmm. like oh okay well, yeah well and it, it you know the the god accounts made it easy for people yes. to kind of jump in and experiment and yeah exactly the god accounts have been just i'm convinced i'm convinced they've just been a net positive in general um yeah. there's a local game store in illinois called nerd rage games that has been hosting these weekend opens of sorts and they have a deal with card hoarder uh where you can get like a weekend pass for like ten dollars and oh, nice. um you know that is so cool that people can just play and and just you know card availability is just not an issue you're not grinding herbs or whatever like you're doing yeah. an arena i don't know how that works but yeah i mean giving people the ability to just play magic is really simple and i wouldn't be surprised if you know magic online eventually just went to that kind of model because that would open up a lot of doors i think right yeah i know a lot of people were kind of speculating on 
maybe that being a direction for mm -hmm. for magic online i i would be interested to see that happen i kind of feel like it's not going to but who knows yeah, the finance <laughs> people, uh, seem to think it would be too dangerous but i i just think you can't deny the benefits of it and right. when, when you look at events that have it, it it's just good it's a good thing yeah and it, it actually it seems like it might be a thing where you know maybe they don't do eternal weekend this way in the future but you know if they have a a week or a two-week period where you can have a situation like this uh, you know hopefully we're not in a pandemic anymore but like <laughs> but 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 where they would give a god account for so much time and or even do what they're just, doing just with just let it happen. Fest. i mean yeah, they're pumping right. out the command fest like once a quarter <laughs> right and so, you know, there's no reason that you you have to have just one eternal weekend. Like if this was as successful as it looks like, right. give us a semi-annual eternal weekend. Like yeah, exactly. Out for it. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, have have the three in-person events regionally and then an, an online one, you know, where it's absolutely still do yeah. things. I think I, I think that would be a good and reasonable direction to take things. Yeah. Uh, was there anything, did you see anything cool get played? What was your highlight of a deck or play? Uh, I, mean, or? I really liked the decks that I played. <laughs> um, I had a lot of fun. That's why you played them. them. <laughs> I had a lot of fun trying new decks. You know, I played yeah. some ad nauseum tendrils in Legacy and um, I, I love learning how to play Storm, you know, yeah. figuring out the lines, trying to piece it together. I had a lot of fun playing different shades of Hogak. You know, when I was playing vintage, I really enjoyed uh, Mark Hornung's uh, The Shops Two Card Monty deck he was playing. Oh, yeah. I had so much fun with that. I really enjoyed playing Breach. Hmm. I look forward to trying so many different versions of that and, and learning how to go off with that combo. And so there's just a lot of really neat decks to play. You know, I don't I don't feel as locked into Dredge as I used to. Uh, my heart will always be with Dredge, but yeah. I, I'm more open to playing other decks than I was before. Yeah, I thought you would be on Dredge forever. <laughs> I think part of the problem is that we just haven't had any new toys for a while and there uh, really hasn't been a lot of innovation. So, sure. um, you know, it, it's fine, but like, I've never, I want to play with other toys. You know, I want to play with a breach. I want to <laughs> play with a, you know, I, I want to learn how to make a merit lage and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So. Well, I was thinking probably the best new toy that you've had is like force of vigor. And like, that's not a very fun toy. Like, that's, no. <laughs> that's like, that's like buying clothes because you have to it's right like, oh, man, i'm out of underwear these are nice underwear. socks yeah <laughs> as opposed to like you're trying to buy underwear for your man and you're like hey that's a whole other shopping trip yeah like, yeah this is you're buying you're like oh man i'm not, like you said i'm out of socks or i gotta i gotta do you know it's just not yeah. fun gotta yeah. buy work clothes i get you Well, um, speaking of buying your man underwear, um, <laughs> well, this is the transition into food, right? No? Okay. It's a terrible transition. <laughs> you assume that I'm wearing clothes when I make the food or eat the food. That's very bold of you. I, I mean, you should at least wear an apron if you're frying bacon, right? Yeah, definitely. You can just, that, that stings. Safety first. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but we were going to talk to you about food because okay. uh, also during the pandemic, you have been learning to cook. And um, specifically, the, o the only thing that I've seen you specifically post about has been cooking breakfast, which I think mm -hmm. is great because I love breakfast. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I did not cook for the longest time and to the point where like, when the pandemic first started and we didn't know like what this was going to entail, they were like, all right, if Erin's stuck in her apartment for six months, she's just going to die. <laughs> because they knew that like, I didn't, I, I'm a Grubhub girl. I'm a DoorDash girl. You know, I eat out a lot. And so people were like, well, what are you going to do if you can't get food brought to you? Like, you're going to have to cook. Are you okay? And like, I genuinely had friends that were like, do you, do you need some like uh, easy, easy recipes? Are you you know what to do with potatoes, right? And I was just like, no. <laughs> you know what Did to you do come with potatoes. Reasonably, or was it just like you had a moment where you're like, well, I'm either going to do this or I'm going to starve, and starving is kind of seeming appealing. It actually didn't. It actually didn't happen because of that. Um, honestly, to tell you the truth, like not to get like too deep on your. But um, it wasn't until I started going to therapy um, and specifically dealing with like, I'm such a perfectionist. And mm. one of the reasons why I never really cooked before was because I was so worried about it not being perfect. It was... Uh. 
I need to follow the recipe. It needs to look like this. Oh God, I've made a mess. What if it doesn't taste right? It was all of those things. And when I started really dealing with like imperfections and things like that, I really just learned to like embrace the chaos of cooking where you're going to make a mess. You know, so what if it doesn't taste right? I saw a tweet the other day that really put things in perspective. It said, the worst thing that can happen is you order a pizza. And that's so true. Like I had a tuna <laughs> casserole I made the other day that did not taste good. And I checked it and I ordered Wendy's and it was fabulous. And so just not being afraid to make mistakes and and trying new things and, you know, looking around and going, oh my God, I've made the biggest mess. It's fine. You'll clean it up. Just keep going. And um, when I just really learned to embrace that, I started to really, really enjoy cooking and having a supportive boyfriend helps too. Yeah. We were talking that having someone to cook for is just great because they, it's they will appreciate love. that you've cooked for them. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's a form of, it's a form of telling someone you care about them too. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to say, you know, I love you. It's another to say, I'm going to feed you. I want to make sure that you are healthy. Yeah. You are please, please stay and- alive for another day. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, one of my friends uh, used to own a restaurant and she used to say that cooking is one of the best forms of self-care. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I've had a really bad day, you know, I do want to make something for myself as opposed to just rolling my face in some culvers. You know, I do want to make a meal and take care of myself. And I think when you can do that for somebody else, that's a really cool thing. Sure. I think there's a place for rolling your face in culvers, though. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, don't, don't exclude that. <laughs> Of I, I'm, a, I'm all about eating my feelings. I, I definitely get that. Comfort food is also delicious. I had a, I a, a, especially when I lived uh, by myself before I got married, I um, had a policy of I wouldn't get uh, like sweet baked goods. Like I wouldn't buy pre-made donuts or brownie okay. mix or anything like that. Because if I, if I made cookies, like at least I put in the time of making that it was a little self-sacrifice to then also have cookies like yeah uh it was it was just a policy i had to partly to make sure i wasn't just eating brownies all the time yeah and it's it's taking care of yourself too you know you are choosing the vegetables you're going to the store you are picking these things you are preparing them you are making sure that it's it's good for you and that it tastes right And, and and i truly believe that you know i feel so much better after i have a bad day and that's not to say that i always do this but if i have the you can tell I used to play WoW because I say the mats. So like if I ever have the mats to make a meal. Jeff, explain. <laughs> mats, short for materials, is the thing that you need in order to make the recipe or, you know, yeah. or piece or whatever you, what have you. Perfect. Thank you. So if I've had a really hard day and I have the means to make a meal, I will do that as opposed to, you know, just running to the culvers. And I do yeah, say that gotcha. afterwards. So uh, are you cooking most meals now or did you, what's your, no, what's your I still, ratio? I still eat out an, an unreasonable amount, but not as bad as it used to be. Um, I'm making my own breakfast now. Like usually on the weekend, I make pretty big breakfast for myself or my boyfriend. And um, I'm making, uh, I'm getting, I, I try, I, I need a recipe. I'm one of those weirdos that needs mm. it exactly spelled out for me. So um, I tend to make a lot of pasta dishes. I like a lot of really simple things, but I'm just having fun just kind of trying everything. It, it's It's been I'd say like once or twice a week I make a meal, which is, is again, a far cry from what I was doing. Like I was eating out every day, twice a day. Sure. It was a bad scene. Is there, um, have you gotten to the point where you're off recipe for various things or are you still on recipe for Um, everything? I I might stray from the recipe. Like I've definitely had recipes I've tried and then I'm just like, like there was a pork tenderloin I made once and they, the sauce that they recommended you make um, just came out really pork tenderloin sauces just don't stay well on it. So like it all just kind of like slipped off and looked weird. And so I was Mm -hmm. just like, okay, I might want to do the sauce a little differently this time. So I do need, you know, I think of it like training wheels. And so I do need something to kind of start me with, but like, if you keep your hand, (laughs) when you're teaching a kid how to ride a bike, you know, I need like the hand on my back, but eventually you can just. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So what's, uh, what is the best thing that you've cooked? Um, my boyfriend really enjoys my, well, there's two things he really likes. Um, so I made a, a, a potato cheesy ham casserole once, um, that I was really, really proud of. Um, was this a breakfast that, dish or a dinner dish? No, it's a dinner dish. And so ah, okay. you, you line your, you line, um, your pan and you start out with like, you know, you slice potatoes and then you, you go potatoes, cheese, ham cubes, like cubed ham. And then you go potato, you just do two layers mm-hmm, of that mm-hmm. and you bake that baby. And it's just this gooey potatoey mess, which is great. Um, and I also make something called elegant steak, which is just a more glamorous version of beef stroganoff. Um, um and that one takes about an hour to make usually. And, and we both really, really like that. Yeah, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. 
And how have your how have your breakfasts been going? Are you are you on different kinds of eggs and bacon yeah, and so my ham? And really likes to. I've become that girl that talks about her boyfriend all the time. I'm so That's sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> as long as so he's okay with it, I'm okay with it. <laughs> it's so funny. Somebody actually said that to him um, when we first started dating. Um, because obviously I'm a very candid individual. Um, we played a webcam commander game with one of our friends and our listeners, and he was like, you know, how do you feel about Aaron talking about you on the show? <laughs> like to trying to like trap him. And he had the best response. He was like, if she's not talking about me, we've got a problem. And so um, he's just a really good sport with everything. But um, he likes to make eggs Gordon Ramsay style where he will, um, you know, I crack, huh? where he'll yell at them. <laughs> no, it's not like normally like donkey. Yeah. He's not Shrek. Um, so normally you, you crack the egg, you whisk it, you know, you maybe throw some milk in there, you slowly put it in your pan and you, you know, you, you spatula it and all that stuff. He does it a different way where he uses like a little pot um, and then he, he puts the egg in there and the butter in there. And instead of like whisking it and then transferring it, he does it all in the pot. And then like you take the pot off the stove and you put it back on the stove and you just alternate back and forth and you never stop whisking um and it turns out like really fluffy um it almost it almost looks like cotton candy like it's really fluffy and it's beautiful and then he'll put it on like a really thick piece of toast um and sometimes he'll do toast sausage and then the egg um Ah. it's just a beautiful like tower and so he loves making his eggs that way i'm a little more basic and simple but yeah, we, we make breakfast together. It's nice. What kind of eggs do you make? Are you over, over easy really or are you scrambled? I, I do the method, like I said, where I crack it, throw it in the frying pan, ah. skillet it, you know, that whole thing. Um, okay. We've also discovered that baking bacon is is great. I yeah, that, that was an amazing revelation to me yes. a few years ago where it's just like, <laughs> that's way better than cooking in yeah, a frying pan. Yeah, it, it's better on multiple fronts. Like yeah. there's less mess and mm-hmm. it tastes better, I think. I think so like, too. I've definitely become a bit of a bacon snob, though. Like, we went camping Uh-oh. a couple of weeks ago. We stopped at this butcher shop um, along the way. I don't remember the name. And they had, like, just the thickest, longest bacon I've ever had in my life. And I just can't seem to find anything close to it. So I don't Thick want, like... Long, eh? <laughs> you know me. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything less than an 80 with trample, Delvin can vote. I don't want. Um, so, yeah. So I, I'm really picky with my bacon now, where it's like, I don't want, like, measly George Webb's bacon. Like, I want nice monstrosity bacon yeah i was thinking the the best bacon that i've had there's a place in um uh, outside springfield ohio called i think it's just the old mill but man they had like quarter inch thick bacon it was so good whoa yeah Yeah. (laughs) Uh, it's funny though the last time i was on the show i think i mentioned like a controversial food opinion um and i feel like i need to do it again um so one of the things my boyfriend and i love to fight about is uh miracle whip versus mayonnaise do you guys have any opinions on that i am anti mayonnaise and miracle whip are both gross so where where are you on this take that (laughs) i think miracle whip is a perfectly fine option um Um, and my boyfriend is firmly team Mayo. Like he has thoughts about Miracle Whip. I think as far as I'm concerned, Miracle Whip is sort of like how I feel about Velveeta. So in my <laughs> fridge, there's uh, a space in my fridge that has Sarah's insulin because she's diabetic. And I demand that the Velveeta go in with the insulin because that's where <laughs> things created in a lab go. And I think Miracle Whip probably falls under the same category. Oh my God, my boyfriend loves you. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't believe I've ever bought Miracle Whip. Oh my God, I always have a jar in the apartment. I I, I tend to make a lot of tuna salad and tuna casseroles, and it's great for that. Uh, (laughs) I think Sarah buys Miracle Whip because she makes a lot of deviled eggs. You use Miracle Whip and deviled eggs, right? She is Um, nodding at me, so she is. (laughs) Awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, we uh, we're we're very mayo, and I grew up on mayo. So okay. yeah, sorry, it, it's okay. I'm not gonna like it. It's fine. That's fine. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> dropping all the hot takes tonight. It's fine. Tyrannosaurus is bad. A miracle whip is good. It's fine. Man, those are hot takes. Holy cow! <laughs> uh, have you have you gotten into like pancakes at all for breakfast or French I'm toast or waffles? By pancakes. I don't know if I'm ready uh, for them just yet. It really, uh, it's it's hard to screw it up because ultimately. <laughs> It's just it's just stuff that you cook in a in a pan. Like it's gonna come out fine. You may have to try it. My boyfriend's coming up this weekend, and we really don't have any plans. So I may have to. Yeah, we uh, since the pandemic started, we have started buying buttermilk and keeping it on hand uh, oh. because I have. There's a good uh, biscuit recipe that I make that uses 
a couple of cups of buttermilk and I've, because it's easier to buy in a half gallon, I also have extra buttermilk and have decided that making pancakes is a good use of that. Um, yes. and so buttermilk pancakes have been really good and, cool. uh, we have usually buttermilk and buttermilk blueberry pancakes on the weekend. Do you have like a special like griddle for them or do you just do it on the stove? Uh, So recently, let's see, let me think. Uh, Last Christmas, uh, I got a nice big frying pan from my mother-in-law. And and it's, I I will actually recommend the brand because I really like it. Um, Come on, sponsorship. Yeah. yeah, All right. Analon, give me some sponsors here. But it's really good. It's nice, nice big, uh, must be 13, 13 inch frying pan, but it's very nonstick. Like I have cooked everything into it and it has not stuck at all, uh, making omelets and stuff and pancakes are great. Fried rice is great. Like you can make fried rice without a ton of oil and without having to worry about having a wok cause mm-hmm. it just doesn't stick. But, um, yeah, so I, I just use a frying pan. Um, okay. I, I just wrote this down. I may have to try it. And uh, I'll say that the the hard part about pancakes is making sure that the first one, there are a lot of times where I make them and the first one is just not as good because the pan wasn't the proper temperature or uh, yes. wasn't yeah. prepared correctly where it had too much oil in it or whatever. So a lot of times your first one is just like someone's either getting a worse pancake or maybe you're just throwing it out. It's still fine. Um, it's still yeah. fine. But uh, we we actually we talked about pancakes on one of our very early shows, I think. Where yeah, we talked about that one on the human condition. That's right. Episode. So the the buttermilk pancakes are very good. We also have a um, cottage cheese pancake recipe. Oh wow! That I use it's pretty good. Okay. Use use blueberries so you get your antioxidants, and then the pancakes are healthy. Yeah, I don't like uh, <laughs> I don't like fruit on like I don't like fruit on waffles or fruit on pancakes usually. Oh. I'm Okay. Well then don't, don't use blueberries. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not really a fan. The other thing, actually the, the other thing that this pan has been, this, uh, Anilon brand 13 inch skillet has been good for has been, um, (laughs) omelets. I have changed my omelet making technique because of this pan. It used to be that I would, I would mix them and I would put them in a, a small pan, like a eight inch skillet and cook them and fold them over once. And now I make a giant 13 inch omelet and, and have a roll of egg. So it's, it's much realized me. Yeah. Everyone, (laughs) everyone, but, um, but it's, it's easier to, um, it it ends up being sort of a lighter rolled omelet rather than a folded omelet. So yeah, I, I don't really like omelets. That's fine. They're just very busy. Like they just have a lot of stuff in them, and I find it very disconcerting. <laughs> so you are into a more homogenous food. Like you just, <laughs> rather than an omelet, you just want an egg that has. Yeah, I mean, I'm all about textures, and so if there's too much going on, it kind of freaks me out. So like, I, I love scrambled okay. eggs. You know, I can do an egg on something, but like if you start throwing lots of colors and crunching and soft things at me, it's just too much. Like, That's just fair. Keep it simple. That's fair. Same thing with my decks. I like my decks lean like brisket. Like I don't want a bunch of one of <laughs> I don't want a bunch of like, when I build commander decks, they have to have the stairs. Like it has to, and you look at your mana cost, your ones, your twos, your threes, it has to like peak at three and then you have to go down the stairs again. So like, it's gotta be, huh. I told you I have my perfectionist tendencies. That seems like a complicated philosophy to apply to decks. <laughs> I actually, I'm actually pretty good at it. Most of my decks do follow the stairs pattern. I'm, I'm quite proud of myself. Huh. And Jeff, you don't even like eggs, right? Sure don't. <laughs> wow, fascinating. Has it always been like that? Yeah, the texture. I, I'm also a texture person, and the entire egg texture is a turnoff for me. So that's fair. I know some people don't like the smell. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. <laughs> no. Thus, I have nothing to add to this conversation. <laughs> Breakfast is kind of a miss if you don't like eggs, is what it comes down to. <laughs> well, that's. I guess that's kind of true. Well, I mean, there's potatoes. Potatoes are great for breakfast. Yeah, it's fine, but you don't want to eat potatoes for breakfast every day because that's just like super. Like I could just live on mashed potatoes and gravy. I love potatoes so much. <laughs> Have you made mashed potatoes yet? Um, in a box, like from a box, yeah. Oh, but I've never on. like. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I just learned how to fry bacon. Give me a minute. Okay, mashed potatoes are super easy, though. Yeah, yeah. I, All you I, need to do is cut up some potatoes and boil them, and then like beat them yeah say that but the one time i posted a peeled potato to twitter they laughed at me and said i peeled it funny 
Do you have a peeler or did you use a knife? <laughs> I have a peeler, but apparently I was very aggressive with it. And I blocked like four people because they picked up my potato. And I was like, it's fine. You just, just don't post your potato to Twitter. They don't need to know. <laughs> That's yeah, to yeah po- post the potatoes after you, you make them. I'll just send my potatoes to Nat. Like he sends me pictures of his baby. Yeah. How's your baby doing? He's he's great. He's oh he's God. always great. He's eating food now, so we're oh. uh, we're I making love food all for of him. Your yeah, it's, I don't uh, I don't generally post baby pictures on Twitter because I'm weird about putting my baby on. You're not the only one. My public DMs media, are full but, of babies right now. Yeah, like, I'm sure. It's so funny. I was just musing to one of my girlfriends. Like a few years ago, my DMs were full of dicks, and now my DMs are full of babies. Like I have babies. We had a listener from Thailand who sent me pictures of his new baby. Like they, I've Aww. just become like Auntie Erin all of a sudden, where no. I get baby pictures from all over the world, and I would eat all of your babies. Like just. Please, please don't eat my baby. You know what I mean. Though? You know what I mean, though. When you have like a little mission, we can't, we can't go from talking about food to eating babies. It's just it's Not too literal. Fun. Like when you see like a little Michelin arms, you just want to go like, yeah. oh, they're so cute. We've yeah. hit the true hot take of this episode. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because I I didn't realize that after uh, having a child that I would become very sentimental about like other people's children. Uh-huh. And it's like seeing other people have babies or post pictures of their kids and stuff. It's just like, Oh, you guys are great. You know, <laughs> being in a relationship too. Like, you know, yeah. I, I've been single more than I've been in a relationship. And I was always that jaded single girl where like, you know, you would see a couple and be like, Oh, they're so gross. Or like, they do not like, <laughs> like they work together. And then when you're in a happy relationship, you just kind of want love for everybody. So now if I see any couple, it's like, you guys are amazing. And I hope you get married. I just, I, I love love and like it's just i get it i totally get it and and jeff i want you to know that i i feel the same way about your cats so <laughs> i also feel the same way about my cats and i think everybody should have cats i, I kind of want to tell this story but um <laughs> i know what story you're going to yeah tell. <laughs> so, let's see last year Last year, last spring, my my wife was out of town. She was she was either pregnant or we were uh, at that point trying. But uh, she was out of town, and I went to visit Jeff uh, in Toledo because I had nothing else to do because I wasn't working at the time and just needed someone to hang out with. So I went and visited Jeff, and um, Jeff and Sarah and I were eating breakfast, and um, they were they were sitting across the table from me, and one of their cats kind of walked around behind them, and I could see the cat. And Jeff and Sarah both looked at the cat and smiled and then looked back at me with the, <laughs> it's, it's the same smile that adoring parents have <laughs> when their kid does something really cute and they want to make sure that you saw it. And, it, and well, and the, it was cute, wasn't it? We need your affirmation. It was the cutest thing you've ever seen. It was the best cat, Jeff. It was it was amazing and heartwarming, and I felt everything that you felt. Um, but it was it was an eye opening experience for me, um, just in the relationship of Jeff and Sarah and their cats. And I feel like I learned something about myself that day too. But <laughs> um, anyway, that's beautiful. Jeff and Sarah and their cat were just adorable parents and children that day. So it was great. Okay. Love these cats. <laughs> we'll we'll post some pictures of the cats in the write up as well. Love it. And if if you're lucky, I'll post a picture of Jesse. <laughs> Or you can just DM them to me like baby pictures. It's fine. Uh, I do. I do. <laughs> he's great. And he's learning to eat food. And now we're cooking for him. So it's like, oh what God. should we make him? Uh, I don't know. Toast? He likes toast. <laughs> oh, my God. He can, he can have some of our potato. Oh. Or the chicken. Or you can make him pancakes in little shapes. Just... I have I have made him a little pancake. But oh he can't he can't have it with syrup because that's extra sugar and we're not doing that yet. So. Okay. But he's almost a year old. He'll probably be a year old by the time this comes out. So He is beautiful and he looks so much like you. Like it's, it's just really uncanny. I was going to say he's very cute, but that's then also a compliment to myself. <laughs> You're not hideous. Oh, I know. <laughs> that's the best that she can say. <laughs> <laughs> right, you make it sound like you're a Daryl or something. Just like, like, Maybe that's an old school reference. It's... Man, that is old school. Um, <laughs> ben Perry's going to listen to this and be like, "I got that." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So uh, do you have, uh, going back to cooking, do you have uh, plans to cook more in the future? Sometimes we like to plan more exciting meals uh, during quarantine where it's like, we're um, going to look forward to make some, making something big and exciting. So I'm weekend. always, I mean, like I said, I, I require a recipe. So I'm always keeping my eye out for, you know, sometimes Facebook will bring up a recipe across my feed or somebody will tweet something. Or um, I have a couple websites that I really go to. Like I really like Delish. I think a lot of the recipes are very accessible. So typically if I'm about to do a grocery order, because I'm very lucky. Mm. to be able to have groceries delivered to me. I'll mm -hmm. usually pick up some things along with that order um, so that I can turn around and make something. But no, I don't really plan anything for the most part. It's usually just like, oh, it's time to do groceries. Let's 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 try something new at that time. Let's use this. Let's use this. Let's make this the occasion. Um, gotcha. Or if I see a nice recipe I like. But no, it just kind of happens when it happens. Do you, do you have new groceries that you're buying regularly to stay supplied and be able to make things? <laughs> well, I bought the bacon and eggs the other day, which was really big. Like I, I never thought that those were staples that I would need in my house. And um, I bought cream cheese so that my boyfriend can make eggs because the Gordon Ramsay version requires cream cheese. Oh, um, man, and so I made sure. And then I have spices now, which again, I never would have had before. And I made sure that I have, uh, I have whisks and I bought a really good spatula. There's a lot of bad spatulas out there, let me tell you. Very um, true. Yeah. So I made sure I have a good spatula. I have good pot holders. Um, <laughs> I still have to break the habit of not keeping my pans in the oven. That drives my boyfriend crazy. Oh, um, yeah. But I'd like to I'd like to buy some better pans. I find myself like looking at pans like I never did before. Try um, Anilon. Anilon <laughs> for good pans. What's that again? Anil I tell me more. Yes. <laughs> We we did actually after I got the pan for Christmas we bought more pans from Amazon. Okay. They have been very good. Yeah, like I said, those were things that I never would have. I might have just bought something at like you know Walmart. I wouldn't have put a lot of thought into it. But now I find myself like when I was looking for the spatula, I really wanted one that in particular wouldn't melt because I felt like every time I would try to flip something, the spatula uh, would melt. Yeah. And so I specifically had to look for one that had a high temperature threshold, which I had never never would have thought to look for a year ago. And now it's it's something I need to have. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I know we've had, I mean, I also have owned lesser plastic spatulas that have mm -hmm. melted, but I think my current two favorites are both from Ikea and were a dollar. I've spent so much time at Ikea this, this <laughs> pandemic and so much money. Uh, did you hear about the table leg shortage? Uh, I w <laughs> Since we got onto Ikea, I was going to ask you about it. <laughs> yes. Tell me I, about I, table legs. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to work from home and I'm going to be working from home indefinitely. And so I was like, well, I should probably spruce up my work area because it just could use some, some better juju. And so my boyfriend and I went to Ikea and we noticed that a lot of the desks had signs saying like unavailable unavailable, unavailable. And we were like, what's going on? Oh. And then we finally found a couple that weren't unavailable, um, but we couldn't find any table legs. Like they were completely sold on the table legs. And so I asked the guy, I was like, what's, what are we not, what are we missing here? And he was <laughs> like, well, we already didn't have a lot of table legs before the pandemic. Like we didn't sell that many. We, we just didn't have that many. The pandemic hit, everybody was working from home. Everybody was doing oh. school from home. They bought the entire supply, and then we said we had less people in our warehouses to make more. And it, like I said, even then they weren't making that many before. Um, right. And then you have customs, which comes into play, and then you just have this incredible demand. I felt like I was buying in sync tickets. Like I was logging into the IKEA website <laughs> at various times of day. I would get like one or two, and then you have this issue where like. The stores have them, but the stores can't deliver. Deliveries have to come from warehouses. Oh, yeah. So the store has it, but the warehouse, it was really complicated. And so I finally managed to get some table legs the other day. And um, my boyfriend will be putting the, the desk together this weekend. But I did not, you know, think of, of all the things there could possibly be shortages of. And yeah, if you go on the IKEA subreddit, it's just nothing but like, you go to Complaints eBay. About table legs. Offers, you can pay $75 for IKEA legs. It's crazy. Those legs are solid gold. Scalp them. <laughs> profits yeah i mean i just wouldn't have guessed that that would be one of the many things that we would be we would be short on right now just use concrete blocks at home you can sell those legs <laughs> milk crates <laughs> i was thinking that the one of the desks that i bought was literally just a flat board that you put on two sawhorses that you had to construct <laughs> it was like ikea ikea brand sawhorses but uh... <laughs> but yeah we, 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 so, we i mean that's an option in my apartment since the pandemic started, I basically redid my living room. I got two new couches. I got a rug. I got a living room table. I got a new TV table. I have a bookshelf. My apartment's come a really long way. Like, I'm really. Is your boyfriend as exhausted about this entire process as I am and Sarah's going through this process? He actually loves, you know, we talked about languages of love and like he, he loves to like do things like that. Like when we go to Ikea, he carries the things. He really likes to do that. He oh. puts 
everything together. Like that's his way of showing affection and appreciation. Putting so, together Ikea is like putting together giant Legos. I love putting together Ikea stuff. Yeah, he really enjoys that. And so, you know, I could put on the table legs, but that's how he prefers to show that he cares. And, sure. and I let him do that. So, right. Yeah. I was thinking that there's a big difference in, I mean, I think one of our next projects at our house is going to be putting uh, shelves in our basement, which we had Ooh. refinished. So we're going to, put some bookshelves and probably set up a more living room sort of area in the basement. Okay. And um, I'm looking a lot more forward to that than I was to looking forward to picking out a carpet for our living mm-hmm. room because um, it takes my wife a long time to decide on carpets. As it turns <laughs> out. And um, the carpet we got is great, but I think it actually took three purchases to get through it. So wow. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. We, yeah. I, I'm familiar Oh. <laughs> My biggest obstacle right now is that I live in a loft apartment, so I have really, mm. really high bare ceilings right now, and it's very difficult to find art that takes up enough space. Oh, and yeah. so every time I go somewhere and I'm like, you know, give me the biggest art you have, I'm like, no, I need, I need bigger. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm really just trying to find a way to like use up some of this wall space because I, I just can't seem to find enough to do with it. And that's really, that's really the only glaring thing in my apartment is I just have a really big, long white wall that like yeah. I can't seem to take up enough. Tall plants shelves i thought about doing like a curtain but there's really tapestries tapestry okay (laughs) my sarah's sister lives in a loft uh in toledo and they just have like big tapestries to take up that extra space yeah so i'm I'm always on the lookout for things like that but other than that like i said my apartment's come a really long way even when i look back a year ago it just feels and you know that kind of goes back to going to therapy like i feel like when i opened up my apartment opened up and that was Mm. a really cool side effect that's deep <laughs> therapy's good everybody it's not just for cabals it's for people too <laughs> it's it's good to be in a place where you're comfortable like it's it's, it's nice making improvements to your living space where you're like yeah this feels and just even good. saying to yourself that you deserve it you know yeah, I, right. I think that was that was the thing that was kind of holding me back was like i was i was spending a lot of time in my bedroom and i just didn't really have people over and i didn't really mm, i think yeah. there was a part of me that felt like i didn't i didn't have a reason to have nice things not that i didn't deserve them but i just felt like i needed a reason and sure. it wasn't until i started taking better care of myself and that it was like you know i deserve nice things and i i want nice things and that's when i started investing more in my place and now i use every room in my apartment i use my kitchen i use my bathroom i use my you know living room and it it really does feel like a lived in space yeah good so are you going to be cooking Thanksgiving dinner in your in your apartment? No. So, oh. we, you know, one of the tricks to the pandemic is trying to find ways to still honor, you know, the guidelines and everything while also mm-hmm. trying to maintain some semblance of normalcy. And so sure. what we've decided on is it's just going to be me and my boyfriend and his mom, just the three of us. And mm-hmm. um, we feel pretty good about that. And so I don't know what they have planned necessarily. I'd like to make something like I'd like to bring a dish. I don't know what it would be, but are, are you um, going? to uh, his place his mom's place his mom's place yeah okay. they live in kenosha so we'll be going for that and um yeah I, I'm, I don't know i think we'll talk about that this weekend like what they want me to bring but i'm really excited i have several good easy pie recipes if you're interested bring it on i don't like pie but i'm sure other people <laughs> well then never mind make something you <laughs> like come on <laughs> yeah we uh, uh along those same lines we've been uh talking with my dad because thanksgiving is, is his favorite holiday uh-huh. and we have been very careful pandemic wise uh with jesse because he's small and weak so we are having my dad uh quarantine to the same level that we are and then Mm -hmm. we're going up there for the weekend which will be great because otherwise we don't get out much (laughs) yeah i definitely know the feeling and it's been it's certainly been an adventure you know and i I hope that that's not like i hope that's not too casual of a word but yeah Mm -hmm. it's been it's, you know, certainly redefined relationships, like even yeah. just trying to maintain a relationship during a pandemic is something. And then, like you said, dealing with family and dealing with friends and yeah. um, trying to find a happy medium, you know, in everything. It's, 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 it's constant work. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's very different. Everything is strange. Mm-hmm. But everything continues everything Uh continues we will get through this we will get through this and i think that's (laughs) the that's the important thing is is really just um you know i one of the things i learned really early on was having to cut back on the information that i was absorbing because Mm. you know it's very easy to you know doom scrolling as a thing and it's very easy to i i do think it's a little irresponsible the way that the media has turned coronavirus into like a 24 7 
show when I don't think you need to have up to the minute death counts live. Yeah. You don't need that. And so I've really had to like cut back on how much news I consume and, um, you know, really focusing on what's going on around me as opposed to, you know, really living in the moment. And so I, I've definitely had to, you know, change certain behaviors just to stay sane. But I yeah. think that's really the key to all this. I, you know, there's a lot of focus on like your physical health and that's certainly important, but like you got to keep your head in the game because you're just going to go crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's, you have to, uh, sort of separate things a little bit more and keep, yeah, keep yourself, keep yourself, uh, keep yourself looking at the positive side. Like overall things have been pretty good for us when during quarantine, Elizabeth and I are both working from home and mm-hmm. we get to spend time with our wonderful son all day. And yeah, that's great. Yeah. You know, I think boundaries are a big thing. Like I said, you know, not only in what you consume, but especially if you are working from home, it's very easy to like want to work all the time. And so, yeah. you know, one of the things for me is like, no, I'm logging at 5 PM on Friday. I am not logging in this weekend, you know, really right. just saying if I'm off, I'm off and, you know, not being connected all the time and leaving my phone in the other room and, yeah. you know, making sure that I'm eating good food and just really taking care of myself because I'm, I'm going to get through this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. It'll be great. We're all going to mm-hmm. play magic again someday. Oh my God. I miss you all. Like, I, I know. <laughs> I had some of the best times with you all. And I still remember that Team Serious Invitational so fondly. And that was such a such a bucket list moment for me. Like it meant so much for me to be included. And um, I, I just have nothing but nice things to say about you guys. Yeah, great. Well, thank you. And then thank you again for, for being on the show and talking with us about uh, your eternal weekend experience and uh, also <laughs> things you like to cook and the difficulty of finding table legs for Ikea. <laughs> I hope we didn't lose anybody. They're going to be like, what are they even talking about? Uh, I mean, this is why we try and keep the podcast to an hour. So, you know, like oh man, I figure an hour of people's time is a worthwhile ask. I think we're worth it. We're, we're, we're worth it. Yes. Well, you certainly are. We'll, <laughs> we'll make it up as we go along. So, yeah. It's happened again. You've wasted another perfectly good hour listening to Serious Vintage. I'm Jeff Mose. I'm Nat Mose. And I'm Erin Campbell. And we hope you'll join us next time for more Serious Vintage. Take a little trip, take a little trip, take a little trip and see. Like I can make myself cookies all the time, but then I eat all the cookies and I feel bad about myself. So. I'm feeling persecuted right now. <laughs> yeah.